On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about COVID, of course, about businesses closing again. Is that what's coming? At what point do you have to balance better the disease and the ruination of people's businesses, which seems to be where we're heading? All the reports are that we are heading for very desperately dire times economically if we do another shutdown. How do we balance this? We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about all kinds of other stuff, including the weekend, not the two days after Friday, the singer and the Super Bowl halftime show. Are you excited about that? We'll talk about it. Stay with us. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Let me bring in for our brightest conversation at Hamilton Radio, something we do every Friday here on the show, a good friend of ours, a guy we love having on here from the Hamilton Network on Cable 14. Also, your host of town hall COVID meetings. The man who has become synonymous with the COVID pandemic. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Michael J. Fortune. Sir, how are you today? Hey, Scotty. Thanks again for having me on. I truly appreciate it, pal. Are, are, you, are you the guy who is now synonymous with the pandemic? Well, no, I, I, I play a very, <laughs> very small role, my friend. I'm, I'm honored that the city and Cable 14 want me out there to help navigate some of these town halls. But I leave that to Dr. Richardson, uh, Paul Johnson, and Mayor Eisenberger to, uh, to be synonymous with what's going on here in Hamilton oh, and COVID-19. See, I don't know, Mike. In years to come, when they write the history books and people <laughs> think about the year 2020 and all that went wrong... It may be your face that comes to mind as the, the, you know, the image that grabs them, like an old song from high school that when you hear, smell something, you hear that song in your head. That might be you. It, it, it's quite possible. I, I do have to say, though, you know, it, it, it's uh, to be part of something like this and, and to listen and, and to really know what's going on. Uh, I'm taking, I'm not taking this lightly, right? And uh, it, it's important that the messages get out. And unfortunately, I don't think enough people are probably tuning into the COVID-19 town halls or, um, or tuning into 900 CHML where they're also aired as well, because here we are, we're going into what, uh, uh, red zone time now, eh? Yeah, well, we're coming next week. We will be 250 days into the pandemic since we started into the early quarantine days, 250 so how many days. How many weeks for you then now, Scotty, in your basement doing the show? Have you done a count? I, I, I don't know. I mean, tr- trolls in nursery rhymes have spent less time under a bridge than I've spent in my basement. <laughs> Seriously, if I if I had just, I, I, I thought a few days ago, if I had not shaved either my face or my head, I mean, first of all, I would have had the world's greatest skullet. I would have had a Hulk Hogan-like hairdo. But I, 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 w- I don't even know what I would look like at this point. I'd be, I'd be a, I mean, more horrible than normal. It would, there would just be so much facial hair by now living under the bridge, kind of. But uh, you know who... Go ahead. I go was going to say, yeah. I look at it a little differently. Think if you started doing some push-ups and sit-ups on day one of lockdown, what you'd be like, the shape you'd be in now, eh? That's what I but think see, about. I was doing the push-ups and sit-ups and weightlifting and gym stuff prior. I was going to the gym every night after my show. And then when the gym shut down, I kind of shut down. So it's, it's worked the opposite way for me. I was in as close to the best shape of my life beforehand. And now I'm, I'm, I don't even want those little, what do you call those squeezy forceps things or whatever they do to test your fat level. I, I'm, yeah. it would not be a compliment. Let's put it you've that put way. On a few, uh, you've put on a few COVID pounds, have you? I, I'm in the same boat as you, my friend. So have I. I don't think I've put on a lot of weight. I th- I'm, okay. I'm very fortunate that I have a good metabolism still. I don't think I've put on a lot of weight. I've just transferred it. Cause again, I was, I was, I was in decent shape. I was less fat and more, 
as much muscle as I ever get. And it's just sort of morphed over. But the longer this goes on, the better chance that eventually I'm, it's not going to look good. It's not going to be good. I'm sorry if, I don't know if sound is coming through my phone and through the radio. Some reason people are calling me right now and leaving messages. I don't know if that's being picked okay. up or not. So that is being that's okay. That's being you're fine, but that is being fixed right now. Uh, you know what we do? One thing I just didn't want to mention here. There was a story that I read today. Since everybody is you know in weird times, there apparently the place that people are going because they want an escape. That's what we're hearing is tattoo parlors right now. Tattoo parlors are doing brisk business. We are told because people want quote an escape. Have you ever thought a tattoo? Is an escape from anything? Uh, no, not at all. I've never been a fan of tattoos, nor do I ever want a tattoo. And uh, but I, I, again, I see what the mindset is. You are you're probably getting so bored. You're looking at yourself in the mirror a little bit differently, and you're thinking, "Oh well, why don't I do this? Why don't I try that?" And you can be a little creative. That's not really social distancing, though. I wouldn't think getting a tattoo literally being poked by a needle, but okay. See, I, I think, I think the tattoo people, I have a lot of faith. I mean, if you are working with needles every single day, anyway, you are going to be abundantly careful. So you don't get someone's illness, disease, whatever. If you're a tattoo artist, I got to believe you are going to be really careful anyway, unless you're, you've got some sort of death wish. So they, they're, I'm not that worried about them, but the idea of an escape to me, a tattoo is like, it, it's a, it's a commitment. It's not an escape. You're now, you, you go, oh, I need to do something just to shake up my life. I think I'll get that giant skull with a snake going through the eye holes and wrapping around a sword. And then you wake up the next morning and go, huh, why did I do hmm. that? Or, or when the pandemic's <laughs> over and you can go out to a beach again, you'll be like, oh, look what I have to show to everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, my, my all-time favorite was from a website of bad tattoos. <laughs> You've probably seen this one before, but the guy's tattoo says no regerts. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, <laughs> yep. That's that. That alone has been all the reason I've needed never to get a tattoo because I just yeah. know that something would go horribly wrong. Yeah, no, and I'm kind of in the same boat, and there's just nothing that excites me uh, about marking up my body. But hey, to those that want to have it done, hey, God bless you. I think it's fantastic for you guys. Then I, I always think of Stephen Wright. Remember the very droll comedian who says, "I want to, he yeah. wanted to go get a tattoo of himself." A life-size tattoo of himself, only bigger. <laughs> That's a good one. Ponder that one for a moment. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Today, when we learn that Hamilton is going back into the red level, and for people who weren't listening to the news earlier, uh, red level is not quite full lockdown yet, but it is just a step below that. It is essentially advising people only go out of your house for the absolute essentials. You know, I I got to say, I, I am completely understanding of the move to look after health, to try and stop the spread of this virus. We're seeing the numbers going up again. But Mike, I got to tell you, the, the other part of me, and it's, it's, a, it's getting to be a stronger and stronger part is we are, we have got to be so careful with, further lockdowns and what we do to businesses because we are heading towards a day when we may be away from the virus being the biggest problem, but we are going to have a disaster economically if we do another lockdown here. And that's why I think some of these decisions, Scott, are so difficult for our elected officials um, to, to, to make that 
that hard call again. And yes, and I, I know right now Premier Ford is getting lambasted pretty hard by the leader of the opposition and on social media and, and here locally. Uh, some politicians uh, are getting talked about. They're not happy with what's being done and said. But the way I have always approached and talked to people about this is this is new for everybody. Even a second wave. Yes, we've been through a first wave, but a second wave is still um, a new diagram for us. Because, yes, we've learned a lot, but we're still learning. And, And it's so difficult. And I agree, a second lockdown could be potentially catastrophic for the some of the middle class to the the lower income families out there individuals folks on disabilities but we have to do what we can i think to 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 keep going and there are some parts of this graph that i don't understand like why can a bar be open with so many people and but you have to stop serving at a certain time little things like that i find i'm trying to wrap my head around I say at the end of the day, and that's why I like this new color scheme that's come out here in regards to and what's happening come Monday, if you don't have to go out, don't go out. And I think so many people are now into COVID fatigue time. It's, and I had this conversation with the producer at Cable 14. Because now we're being told not to do something, well, now we want to do it. Well, now we have all these plans that we want to see people and do things. Yeah, and we're coming up to Christmas and everything else. I, look, yeah. I, I, I uh, there's a piece in the Financial Post today, and this is part of what really I was already thinking this, and then I read this, and it, it, it terrifies me. And the head the headline is: an earthquake is coming. Insolvency second wave looms as once strong businesses falter. Experts brace for explosion of filings once government support keeping quote zombie companies artificially alive dries up. What they're saying is. We are not only, as we push towards telling everyone to stay home, we are decimating a huge segment of our economy, but also we've spent so much money that we don't have more money to truly help those down the road. I don't believe we will because we can't keep this economy going the way it is. I I, I don't know. My, my, my real, it goes like this. Where we can have governments and, and elected officials all day long tell us, stay home, stay home, stay home. Where is the personal responsibility that people have? Rather than everyone turning to a government and saying, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. And if you tell me something that's even a little bit wrong, I'm going to scream at the government. Where's the personal responsibility to say, you know what, if I'm worried, I'm going to stay home. And if I'm not, I'm, I'm going to just take care and go out and be careful. But that's the million-dollar question, and, and that, that's the same question you could ask pre-COVID as well. You, you know, and I think we may have had these conversations uh, in the past, Scott, where people want to be told what to do, and yet when they find themselves in difficult situations or trouble, they like to point the finger. They, they don't want to be accountable. Um, they like to point blame and, whoa, whoa, was me. Look, this is horrible times. We had a guest on our show uh, last week from an insolvency company, and what he was saying was, we're getting through all of this now somewhat, but wait for another six months. Wait until after Christmas when credit card bills start to come in, and then wait until tax time. Wait for another six months, yep, and that's yep. when you might really see things hit the fan, and wow, and how do we get out of this? But you know what's going to happen? You're going to see all these people on social media complaining complaining when now is the time to start putting a few bucks away where you can cut back on some of the things you don't need and try to live not within your means 
but even below your means, so you're not in trouble. But people feel entitled. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're chatting about what is going on right now with this city and others going now into the red level um, possibility of lockdowns, I suppose, coming. That's only one step away now. COVID cases rising. And the concern, while certainly about people's health and about the COVID cases, Mike, is also the economic devastation that if we were to, well, we are going to, we're telling people now don't go out unless you absolutely have to for emergent situations, for doctor's appointments or to get groceries, maybe to get exercise. But I I just, we may be, and people have talked about this before, we may be fixing one problem by creating one that's even longer lasting and just just as difficult in in another way. And I really believe that. No, and I agree with you. And before the break, you know, I was just saying, you know, how, how people feel that they're entitled and, and so on and so forth. Look, every situation is completely different when it comes to their finance. And every company is completely different. And I truly do believe that business owners are obviously reassessing absolutely everything that they have done and continue to do. And they're pivoting and they're adapting. But there also are some success stories out there on how people have utilized technology uh, their their website, their online presence. And if, if, if you're an individual, you know, you're sitting at home, you're listening to radio shows, you're watching TV, it's so easy to get sucked into these television commercials. Buy now, pay later, uh, need cash now, a few, you're a few clicks away from ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars and And you, the question was earlier too, at what point do these people, you know, do they take some ownership and responsibility? Now is the time. So there's a way, I think, to gently balance what you can do by supporting local shop local going into christmas time but also going without things that maybe you are a little more accustomed to or 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 used to in your life and now is the time to to scale back a little bit scotty and and that's i i agree with most of what you just said but there are some industries that you just can't do that and and you look at the restaurants you look at the travel sector the tourist sector you look at a lot of service industries they are they are helpless against this. And one of the things that has struck me through this even more and more now is that the people making all the decisions, and I understand why, are elected officials and public servants who have no skin in the game when it comes to the economic side of this. If you are a, a, a politician or if you are a public servant and you say we're going to close down businesses or tell people not to go out, you are not losing a dime of your income. And and it, I'm getting to the point now where I really believe we need to be bringing in to these discussions some people who have skin in the game here who are legitimately staring down the barrel of financial ruin as a bit of a counterbalance and say, look, surely, yes, we've got to look after the health side of this, but there has to be consideration for the other side as well because as I say, I, I think it's I think it's terrible what's happening health wise, but I, I cannot imagine what happens down the road with all these businesses that are going to go under. And I, I see where you're coming from, and you want to bring these people in that have skin in the game. But what is the answer? What what answer can they give? What solution or solutions can they offer up that are going to keep people safe? Because if you don't do what is being done and people aren't that's why we're shutting down there we might not have a population left to even worry about it anyway 
to, to go out to a restaurant. Now, I know that's probably a little extreme and drastic. I don't think this will ever get to Armageddon. But, but what can these people who have skin in the game truly say and have solutions to, to help fix this? I don't know. I'm not, the, I'm not a genius when it comes to this stuff. And there are people that are business owners. They are good in this only, retail, uh, whatever the case might be. They probably don't have the big answers either. Sure, you can feel sympathetic towards them. But what can they truly bring to the table when it comes to actual um, hard? I think what they can bring. No, I think what they can bring is an explanation of if, if in fact they have an answer for this, why they have created a scenario or a situation within their store or business or whatever that it's going to be safe to go in, rather than having politicians and public officials go down the path towards these things where we're saying don't go out of your house. And if I look, if I, if I'm, if I own a business, if I own a restaurant, if I own something and I've invested everything into it and I've made it safe and I'm not abusing the system and I'm not making a mockery of the system. And now I've got people who stand to lose nothing, even though their intentions may be good, they stand to lose nothing saying, yeah, you know what? Don't go to those places. Mm -mm. You know, it's Mike, it has bothered me from the start. And I've said it on this show a number of times. It has bothered me from the start that I don't think there is a single politician who has led through this by saying, you know what? People in the private sector are hurting. We are going to take a pay cut as a sign of leadership and to show sympathy with those people. Not one politician that I've seen has taken that position, which if nothing else would show that they're understanding what a lot of people are facing. And Scott, I've never looked at it that way or thought about that. So here I am learning something on a Friday night, and what you just said makes complete sense. And can you imagine that one politician that does stand up and and say and actually go through with that? They they would have uh, they'd they'd have uh, a tenure for life in, in politics if they took that lead. And and, and it might not even be a lot of money. It might even if they said, "I'm going to take a ten percent pay cut till this is over," with that part of it going towards a fund towards for something. people. Yeah. And if even if that means a business gets 20 bucks, at least it's the sentiment that I get. I'm feeling what you're feeling and I'm not making decisions in a vacuum here from an ivory tower. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a, that's a great point. And, and maybe that's something that can get, you know, trending on social media and maybe there will be that one politician out there that says, yeah, you know what? I can do that. And, and, and let's really make a point um, because you're right. You're, you're hearing even opposition parties saying, this isn't working, that isn't working, our government's failing us, why don't you step up and actually take something out of your pocket then as well? And maybe it might has to have to come from an opposition party as well. You, you just don't know. Great anybody. point, Scott. I love that. No, anybody. Anybody, anybody to anybody, show that yeah. they are feeling the same pain because when you are making rules, and again, I'm not suggesting the rules are not done with the right intent, but when you're making rules that hurt people bottom line and potentially destroy their business, and you're feeling none of that same pain, it comes across, to me, it comes across as not really getting why some of these things are so painful. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike, let's spend one more segment here on this COVID thing. Um, but slightly different, Deutsche Bank, which is a European bank, but it has tentacles here in North America. And People there within that bank have proposed something that apparently is catching some traction here in North America. And their idea is that anybody who works from home 
should have to pay a privilege tax is what they call it, a 5% extra tax for the privilege of working from home because workers who are not in the office are contributing less to the infrastructure while still receiving all the benefits of the infrastructure. So you should be giving more to Uncle Sam or Uncle Justin, uh, I guess, for for that privilege. Is it me or is this kind of missing the point even further? Yeah, I I don't know how that would would help people at all by taking more out of their pockets when they're already contributing to society by a stopping the spread of the virus, um, stopping the spread of climate or stopping climate control by not going out as much. Um, Why would you want to infringe more tax on someone when they're doing what they're told to do? that, That one doesn't really make sense to me. I would not be happy with that. Um, I'd be saying, okay, well, let's open up. I want to go back to work then, so I don't have to pay this tax. And well, that's I, what I they apparently you want you of... to do because you're going to pay. But, but I mean, it, it's so it's such a convoluted argument because aren't we being told that by people not going to the office and not commuting, we're saving the environment and we are doing all kinds of other, we're, we're helping to cover the cost of daycare that the government isn't going to have to pay and all kinds of other things. It's it's like, it, it feels when, when groups come out with stuff like this, which by the way, I fully expect that there will be certain politicians who will go, oh, great idea. Another way we can get people. It's like the tax man song from the Beatles. Uh, you can't escape. You, 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 it feels like you're doing things to try and be helpful and they're still going to come after you to try and get more money from you. Yeah. It just seems you read between the lines. It's just a complete, obviously it's a, it's a tax grab to try to make up for all the money that has been doled out for COVID relief. And I don't think that would go over very well um, in, in, in this neck of the woods. And I'm sure beyond if a politician, can you imagine a premier Ford comes out on Monday and says, we're going to slap on a new tax or, or Trudeau comes out and says, we're going to slap on a new tax because you're working from home right now. That would that would almost, almost be a political, uh, political doom. I think for anyone that, that wants to be in office, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it, it really truly doesn't. Well, it, it's look, I enjoy working from home by and large, but am I not contributing to the economy by working from home? That's the suggestion here is that if you are at home, you are no longer. You are. you are contributing. You are still writing your articles for the spectator. People are still purchasing the spec. Uh, you are still doing a magnificent job here on 900. You still have advertisers that are paying. Still paying taxes. Part of this show. So yes, I'm still paying taxes. I'm still buying stuff. I'm still buying food and still do like, it's not like we disappear into a Ted Kaczynski Unabomber, you know, hidden out in the wilderness experience here. I mean, we're still contributing, but it goes to the idea again that let's see how we can find new ways to make this worse. It seems. And, and, and as you ahead. and I both know, when, once a tax is added, it's never taken back. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. No, and but they're, they've specifically said they wouldn't expect it to go back as many people now plan to work from home permanently. And so how do you, the governments have spent so much money that this, the reason why I believe that this may get legs and may get traction is governments are so far in debt now and running such enormous deficits that they are going to be looking for everything, every conceivable way 
to extract money out of us. And none of them want to say we're going to increase the income tax or the general tax because then, you know, this way they can say, well, it's for a specific purpose. It's for a very specific purpose. Look, I can tell you other taxes that I will bet money are going to be coming. I will bet you money that within a few years, we're going to have a capital gains tax on the sale of your home, which we don't have right now. But if you sell your house, that you're going to pay a percentage of the the price that you get into taxes, which is outrageous because that's people's retirement for a lot of them. We are going to have, I am willing to bet you money, we're going to have an inheritance tax, which is so cynical, Mike, because the inheritance that you or me or anyone else gets is money that's already been taxed nine ways from Thursday. It's yeah, no, my- and 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 it, it's it's a shame. And again, there's no template for this. And unfortunately, that is when it comes to the political side of things. That is the only solution they have. Let's tax. Let's take more and more away. Oh, and let's not raise anyone's income or hourly wage or anything. Oh, well, there's uh, another way, Mike. There's another way, and that is maybe through attrition cut back on the number of public employees making incredibly handsome wages who have not had a dime of that taken away while other people in the private sector have been suffering. Maybe if we, by retirement and people leaving jobs naturally, said we're going to get rid of 500 or 1,000 jobs in the city of Hamilton, that's a way, but we don't want to touch that or in the federal government or provincial government. And I don't want, I've said this a million times, I don't want mass layoffs, but by attrition. By attrition, yeah, no, we could achieve this. Yeah, and you know, I know this won't be very popular with with, with the with the upper class and that one percent. But you know, I know there's a lot of talk about you know the, these private businesses that uh, are doing extremely well and additional taxes on them. Of course, they're going to fight back on that. So, uh, it, it always comes down to the middle class that are really going to feel the pinch, unfortunately. And always, you know, two, five, ten years from now. It'll be really interesting to see what our society looks like and and how we have been able to, or if we are in a recovery mode at that point. Yeah. And, and we got to go, but you know, the other thing is the middle class, uh, I, I, I'm so tired. I, I hope I never hear that line again, because the government has already shown that it doesn't know how to define that. So what the middle class means, everybody. Everybody. We're just going to, everybody, and we'll just pretend it's middle. Anyway, it gets me angry. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let's, um... Let's move away from COVID only because uh, there's only so much Friday the 13th and COVID that I can, t- that I can take. Uh, when in the Fortune household will Christmas decorations go up? It's funny. We were just having that conversation uh, uh, last night, the wife and I. We will pr- maybe this weekend, if not throughout next week, I would think we'll be putting the lights out and, and putting up a tree. We we took a walk a couple nights ago, November the 11th, actually. And that night, we couldn't believe how many Christmas trees we saw up in people's living rooms with their windows open, and how many Christmas lights we saw out on the street. It, it's That's a little early for us. Another week or two, I would say. I, I am usually, uh, and my, my family will occasionally call me the Grinch. I love Christmas, but I am usually the one who says December the 1st is the cutoff date. We, after December 1st, I am all in on Christmas, but before then you're stretching it. This year yeah. I've, I've, I've relaxed my, I've relaxed it a bit because everyone, you know, you're stuck at home and it's been an unusual year. Okay. So let's Christmas decorations have been carried upstairs and will be done this weekend. Yeah. I, in the I've Radley house. Thought- I have always thought any time after November 11th for me works. Yes, yes, um, yes. Has to be after Remembrance Day. 
has to be after Remembrance Day, and and I don't mind. I, you know, I you kind of get into that mood, I think. And if you can start a little bit earlier, so you can extend the season, depending on how much you like it, then why not go go a little earlier? And to your point, COVID put up some lights. I, I'm going to be honest with you, true true uh, transparency here. I started listening to Christmas music a couple weeks ago on YouTube. So. <laughs> There you go. Well, <laughs> well, I, I know, and I, you know, I'm probably going to be um, tarred and feathered for this afterwards, but I know that in this household, at least one Hallmark Christmas movie has been watched, which, um, uh, you know, uh, that that's a whole other discussion. Well, uh, I, you, you, I know you had a, a great segment on a, a couple years ago with one of these producers that do, do these Hallmark. A writer, uh, yes. The, the writer, and, and they've been on for, for already a week or so, at least on, on the W Network or whatever it is, I don't know. Uh, and, you know, I've clicked in and I've watched a few minutes here and there, you know, so kind of getting well, into a little bit. Mike, let me guess on the plot of the Hallmark movie you saw, and I have no idea which one it was. There is a very successful businesswoman in New York City who has to fly home to her hometown, her little rural hometown, just before Christmas where she for some sort of thing at her parents' place, and she runs into her old high school boyfriend who's now a lumberjack or owns the Christmas tree farm. And uh, there, a giant snowfall comes in and she can't fly out to get back to New York City. So she has to stay. And suddenly the spirit of Christmas descends on her. And while skating on the outdoor skating rink by the gazebo in the downtown during the Christmas lighting ceremony for hometown, she finally, the light goes on and she looks in his eyes deeply and realizes this is what she wants. And she's going to stay here and give up her career to live in this small town. Am I close? You are very close, except you, you, missed the, you missed the part about all beautiful white snow and bright colors yes. and chestnuts roasting on the outside yes. and carolers singing around. Yep. You, you almost nailed it. The, the writer that I had on who was yeah. a Hallmark Christmas movie writer, his quote, if I recall correctly, was you just got to Christmas the heck out of it. Yeah, what, and, whatever and level of Christmas there is. Anyway, uh, I bring this up only because I have stumbled upon and I'm debating whether to do this as a joke. I don't know if I will yet. I have stumbled upon a website that sells candy canes, specialty candy canes, very Christmassy, in the following flavors, ketchup, shiitake mushroom, pho, that Vietnamese soup, ham, kale, pizza, clam, <laughs> mac and cheese, pickle, and bacon. It's it's 2020. I think all bets are off, and 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 why not? Do do something different. You, you you'll get a great laugh out of it, and it'll be something that the, the recipients will be talking about for quite some time. So see, I'm, why I'm not? good with you I'm know? good with mac and cheese candy cane. I could eat a mac and cheese candy cane. I'm I'm okay. I think I could eat a pickle candy cane and a bacon for sure. Mm-hmm. Kale, not so sure. Shiitake mushroom sounds a little unusual. A little and clam is. <laughs> <laughs> Clam may be pushing the limits. It. Don't knock well, it until you try it. Could be a great candy cane for a for a, a bloody Caesar. Uh, yeah, and you know what? I was actually before we got on air, I was I was this close to making myself a Caesar, but uh, I didn't. I held off. There is time. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring Mike Fortune back in. As I say, a um, a man who uh, who knows COVID but also knows other things as well, including music, because there is no greater Elvis Presley fan 
on planet Earth than Michael Fortune. I would argue even Priscilla Presley or Lisa Marie Presley <laughs> would not be bigger Elvis fans than this guy. But we're not going to talk about Elvis. We are going to talk about music, though, for a second. Because this week we heard who is going to be doing the halftime show for the Super Bowl, the biggest stage on planet Earth, and it is the weekend. And when you heard that, Mike, you said, um, "I'm quickly trying to Google what songs they sing again." <laughs> he, 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 not they. He, he, they. Oh, he. Is it a he? <laughs> it's a he. It's a Canadian. There you go. There you go. It's a I, Canadian he. Yes. I um my kids. They might know. <laughs> oh no, they would know. They would know. And and. See, I've I've kind of given up on this one. I, the, the Super Bowl halftime show went from being something that seemed to be all about the old time rock and rollers. You had Paul McCartney, you had Prince, you had I think Springsteen did it. I know yep. Aerosmith, I believe, did it not that long ago. Um, and it seems to, and then it became this terribly political thing where, you know, if you did it, you were not sensitive to black players and that kind of thing. Well, now. I, I guess it's back as a big deal again for artists. And even though I don't really know much about the weekend, I, I, I guess, you know what, Mike, you and I at this point probably are no longer the audience. No, we're, we're, we're definitely not. However, um, I do stick around for the halftime show because there, there is that curiosity and interest for me. And, and I think that comes I know where that comes from. Watching some of the shows where Janet Jackson. Well, well, Janet (laughs) Jackson. Yes, of course. You always want to see if there's going to be a wardrobe malfunction. Heck, I think we even had one on THN last week. I had a wardrobe malfunction. That's a whole other story. But um, you know, I I like the preparation that goes behind it. I've watched some of those shows, and and the weekend has now been you know talked about, and they're going to be they're starting to plan right now, and they turn these things into mini little concerts. And what I like about it sometimes is they plan special guests that are kept secret and you don't know about. And I do truly believe, take away all the political stuff about it, I think it really does add to the entire production of what Super Bowl is supposed to be. And I actually enjoy halftime show. And sometimes it opens my ears and my eyes to another potential type of performer that I should maybe be listening to. I have to give credit where credit is due. I, I am not a country music fan by nature. It's just okay, not our something... Friend, our friendship's over, because I'm a huge okay. country fan, too. I did not know that, Scott. No, I'm not a big country fan. In fact, I, I always say that it makes my feelings buzz when I hear most of it, um, especially the twangy stuff. I like John, I love Johnny Cash, and he's country, I know, but uh, that that kind, I'm okay with. But You're anyway... You're talking new country. Uh, a lot of the, It's just the really twangy stuff. Just... Bleh. Anyway... Right. When Shania Twain did the suit of the uh, Grey Cup a few years ago and came out with the sled dog on the on the and it was snowing and and, and you know what uh, Shania Twain I can take her I can leave her but that was fantastic even though it was not my style per se she put on such a great show that I was like yeah you know what good for her that was that was a good that was a good halftime show I, I'm not a huge fan of Prince as great musically as he was, but he put on an amazing Super Bowl halftime show and you go, yeah, you know what? That was very entertaining. And so eat with that platform, even if you don't have a clue who the weekend is, as long as he's entertaining. All right. You know, at this point, I, I you know, I don't, I don't, I don't and really I think, have a, a preference anymore. 
I think that's all that, that truly matters. You know, uh, Beyonce has, has done a great show. I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. You know, Adam, Adam Levine, Levine, whatever, from Maroon 5, not impressed. Uh, I'm not impressed on how he presented himself and did the show. And, and that's all the stuff that we get to talk about. That's why we can be armchair quarterbacks when it comes to the entertainment side of the world as well. Because that and, you can and, control. Well, the, it, it, exactly, exactly. And I like the fact, you know, you get that field, you get the field full of people, you get the technotronics, you, you get all the kids involved. I really think it does add something to the game. And, you know, I hope more uh, as we move forward, I hope there are, are more people that will say, you know what, this is important. This is, this is a great thing. And you know what, when, when I look at it, again, I, I look at, how they are able to pack so much in in such a short period of time to show their artistic ability, um, their entertainment value. And like I said, I enjoy the halftime show, Scott. I'm one of those guys. Do you know that Carol Channing did the halftime show twice? <laughs> I did, I, see, I did not know that. Carol, you would not, I don't think, have picked Carol Channing as a, um, a that, multiple a time. Uh, you know, yeah, no. One of the things I, I really like to watch on YouTube, I, you, I go down that rabbit hole quite often on a Friday or Saturday night with a, a beverage or two next to my side, is, and I get hooked on watching the Whitney Houston version of, of the, the American, uh, the, the, the National yep. Anthem. That was and amazing. During the that war. One. Yeah, during, during the, the war, war with the Buffalo Bills playing the New York Giants. And that that was just you know my my hair still stand up in my arms when I watch that and you hear the players and the coaches now so many years later talk about how much that song how how she sung it how much it meant at that point I I think that's fantastic stuff. Yeah, I, as I say, maybe it, it, look, it's a terrific stage for the weekend. Um, I hope that uh, I, I hope that this will offer him the opportunity to correct the spelling of his name it's he spells it the w-e-e-k-n-d i mean i'm sure by now we're doing this he can afford the second e or the third e the for 30, weekend yeah. um you know but whatever but no i mean it's look it's a terrific opportunity for him as a canadian guy i hope he does well i i just i there was a time when i used to get bent out of shape and there is still a halftime show mike there's still an issue with halftime shows that will get me fired up even though i've you know such, and that is jazz the Grey Cup, never, ever, ever should the Grey Cup be anybody but a Canadian artist performing. Agreed. Agreed. They're never. However, with that said, do you not start at some point to potentially run out of no. options when it comes no. to major star power? Never, never. I mean, look, in next year, assuming that the CFL has a season... And assuming that there is a Grey Cup here in Hamilton, I fully expect that the Arkells will do the halftime show. That would be absolutely my guess. And maybe have a couple other performers before or after, but I would fully expect that that's my expectation. And, you know, it's only once a year. And then, you know, the year after, I think would the year after then be back in Saskatchewan, I think in Regina. I believe so, because they lost it this year, yeah. You know, surely there is either someone from Regina or someone else from across the country, a band that is able to do a halftime show. And even if they are not the biggest band in the country, although that's fun when they do that, even if it's not the biggest band in the country, it is such a platform to launch someone 
into that kind of exposure. So hands, uh, hands down. And, you know, so you, to your point, if you go out West, you know, you're going to be probably getting country bands and, and I love how something like that could launch the rec your laws. career. Get the, the rec, rec laws. laws. That was the one I was just thinking of. And it's because of some of the stuff they've already done in partnership with the CFL. I've started to listen to them a little bit more and I can appreciate their music and I am rooting for them now. Um, and yeah, I just hope that there are, and, and I, I take back what I just said because maybe you don't need that superstar power name as to what you just said as well. You, you bring someone on to really showcase them and put the spotlight on them and help launch their careers. I like that idea. So uh, that's yeah. bad on, kids me, hung, on you for bringing that up. My kids hung out with the rec laws last summer it was two summers ago. When was the, when was the cool. concert with the, uh, the golf at the golf course with the Canadian open with Florida, Georgia ago. line and the rec laws open for them and then came off the stage and were standing right beside us. And I didn't know who they were. They were just on stage and I still didn't recognize them, but um, yeah, it seemed like lovely people. Why not? Um, you know, have that okay. option. And, and again, out West, I'm sure they are even bigger than big. So, you know. So, I, Scott, I, I would like to say this when we get through this pandemic, at some point, uh, you, Monica, Tracy, and I get the families together. We should go to a country concert. Just I'll, one. I'll, Just I'll one. let you guys, I'll let you guys, I'll, I'll let one, you guys Scott. go. Uh, I did. I did one. I went to Florida, Georgia line. I did. And, um, uh, yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> I did. Leave it at that. I okay. I did. You know, they were, they were, look, it was, it was a fun night. The best part was at the end when they put on the Raptors game in the finals on the big screen and everyone <laughs> stood around now. and cheered for the Raptors. Come on now. Hey, hey, you know what? It was, it was, everyone's got their taste. You know, you know who, and it's too late now, but you know who never got to do a halftime show for the Grey Cup and it is one of the all-time shames of this country? Rush, Rush. How did Rush never do a halftime show? The yeah. Black Eyed Peas did a Grey Cup halftime show, and Rush never did. Now you would know better than I. Um, did Teenage Head ever do a halftime show? No, but they did. They have done all kinds of well, not all kinds. They've done a numbers of shows at uh, they at did one at games. Yes, and, and yes. The only reason I bring that up because I don't know if you had the opportunity to watch the. Uh, the documentary uh, a couple weeks ago on TVO. And just this past week, we actually interviewed the director, uh, Doug mm. Aerosmith, of that. And I'm telling you, with everything that they've been through and gone through, wouldn't Teenage Head maybe... Be great. Be, maybe, maybe they might be one of the, the groups potentially taking place with the Hamilton Grey Cup in 2021 as a bit of an opener or a closer with the Arkells, if that's the way the Ticats and Grey would, Cup go. Wouldn't would you not want to hear... The Arkells do a duet with Teenage Head of Let's Shake. That would be great. It would be fantastic. And And bring in Monster Truck and bring in a few others. Yeah, it would be like there's lots of opportunities here. Lots. We got to get Matt Affneck on the phone and give him all these ideas, Scott. I'm telling you, those are great ones. I love it. You can pour out the water here. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure I'm going to want the weekend for a second one. Well, there's enough Hamilton stuff. We don't need to have the weekend back. But I am going to make a little note here to uh, point out to the weekend that he did spell his name incorrectly. So maybe Please that's do. just a typo. That um, you know the the grammarians in the crowd. And, and am yeah, I the only s- one that didn't know that it wasn't a group? Like when Probably. I hear weekend, I think of a group of people. Yeah, no, it, it's it, you'll you'll get to, you'll appreciate him once the Super Bowl when you watch that you'll I guess you'll appreciate that you know I, I mean okay. assuming he does a great show and I'm sure he will. Hey, well, uh, we got a few minutes this, left. I'll YouTube some of this stuff. Sorry. You should, yes. Uh, a few minutes left. I want to ask you about this one more thing. 
there was a um, Fred Van Vliet, who we're talking about a little bit of sports. Let's stick with that for a second. Fred Van pay Vliet, him. who's a guard with the pay, Raptors. Pay him. Oh, well, this is the question. Pays him. Someone's got to get the it, give him the money. Fred Van Vliet, key part of their championship, key part of their playoff run this year. Very yep. good player. But a guy who, when he came out of Wichita State, was not really seen as a star. He came to the Raptors. The Raptors have given him opportunity, have given him playing time, have coached him up and done all the things you do. So my question is this. He was on a podcast or a radio interview this week, mm-hmm. last week. Well, he's a free agent now. Yep. And his comment was, I'm trying to get paid, man. I'm not shy about that. I'm 26. Um, uh, I'm 26. That's what I'm all about. And it's what it is. I want a championship. And now it's time to cash out. I agree. Yeah, I mean, clearly percent. he is, he is making it very clear. And I applaud his honesty that he is a mercenary at this point. I get it. But if you are an athlete who did not come in as a star, who was given opportunities by a team who was helped by a team and built into a better player by being on a team, do you owe that team anything? No, because on the on the blink of an eye, that team can trade you and say bye. Thanks for everything, but we're moving on. We want to we we want to go better because this is a business. And owners, players, yes, they build relationships with their community, so on and so forth. But they, at the end of the day, they are just they are just pawns that are being moved around by owners because there's salary caps, so on and so forth. So, Fred, listen, I want to see him back here in Toronto, no doubt about it. But if he can get paid and it's elsewhere. Get paid. I don't care if you weren't drafted first overall and you weren't uh, the high school star's standout that was going to be the next greatest uh, player. You work. We all develop differently in whatever we do. He is a key component to this team, and he can be a key contributor wherever he goes in the NBA. He deserves to get paid hands down because, again, as I said, an owner would trade him in a heartbeat, cut him in a heartbeat, when it comes to bettering the team, because he will get, he will age, and then all of a sudden, thanks, but no thanks. See, I disagree. Uh, I, I think he should get paid. I mean, I'm not saying that he should be taking minimum wage or accepting something ludicrous. But he shouldn't take a hometown discount in Toronto. I believe that he should take a home. Is that you said he should? Uh, he shouldn't. I don't think he oh, should. Oh, I think no. he, I absolutely think no. he should. I think, look, if, if, you, if you have worked at a certain company and you were nothing, and they spent, or here's a per, more a better example. It doesn't exactly fall into line with him. Number of years ago, the Blue Jays, I don't know if you remember this, the Blue Jays had a pitcher named Al Leiter. And Al Leiter was injured. He had blister problems for almost the entire time he was in Toronto. And the Blue Jays paid him because that was the thing. And they worked and they found solutions. And, and eventually they found some sort of pickle brine solution. They were calling, jokingly called lighter fluid. Uh, that was toughening up his fingers. Anyway, they paid him and paid him and paid him and paid him. The minute he became a free agent, he bolted. And I said, that that was no. so stinky that but, you you didn't show any kind of appreciation. I'm not saying take nothing. I'm no, not saying take nothing, but you owe them at that point, in my mind, a hometown discount. I have not sat in a, in, in a free agency meeting, and I'm fairly certain you haven't either. But I have heard that when you go into these meetings – you, you are there with your agent, and then the team, no matter how great you are, what they will do and hack you and slash you up and tell you everything you've done wrong or haven't done. The Blue Jays were doing everything they could 
to help him so he could help the Blue Jays win ball games. That's the only reason they were doing it. No, agreed. Agreed. That's the only reason they were doing it. And it didn't work, or or it doesn't work, whatever, and then they just get rid of you. Move on. Who's the next up-and-coming big star that's out there? Who's the next guy that can replace you? Because you can be replaced in an absolute heartbeat. So I don't believe there should ever be any hometown discount in any sport for any athlete. They... These owners are getting millions upon millions upon millions in TV deals, concessions, jerseys, so on and so forth, get paid. Difference of opinion. I I think that he, not if it's not close, but if it's even remotely in the ballpark and the Raptors are trying to keep things under the salary cap, whatever, I think think Fred Van Vliet does owe them that. But, you know, that's... A million uh, bucks here or there, okay, I'm fine with, but I'm not, uh, you know... he, he's got to get a, a good, good chunk. I suspect he will. I oh, suspect I, he will. Most okay. of these basketball players are doing okay. I, I don't think that they are the ones who have to worry about the city going into the red zone, as we talked about, to start things. I, I think they'll still have food in the fridge and um, a roof over their head. They'll they'll be okay. We, yes, on the other hand, must wrap. We, we, uh, we we're, we're Sadly, we are done. Time has flown by. Uh, Mike yeah. Fortune, you can catch him on the Hamilton Network, which is on cable 14. I don't even know. 317 times a week, I believe, is how often they show it. It's on a lot, but that's good, so you can not miss one. Uh, Mike, always love having you on here. Thanks for doing this. Hey, Scott. Thank you so much. Uh, look after yourself and your family, okay, my friend? The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.